Hey, Mr. Jelly. Hey, Mr. Russell. Can I borrow your iPhone? Uh, no, it's my iPhone. What do you want my iPhone for? I just need to get some data off there to make sure that uh, you're not committing acts of terrorism, both domestic and international. Well, I have a few choice words for you, but I can't say them on air. So um, let's just go with no. Uh, fine, fine. I'll tell you what. I'll give you my topic for the week instead. You'll never guess what it is. This show is called Topical. So uh, I've chosen a topical topic, a topic that is definitely topical, on topical today, and it, that is <laughs> encryption. <laughs> say that. 12 times really fast. Topical, topical, topical. <laughs> encryption, encryption. So like uh, like data encryption, is is that what you mean? Yeah, but a specific case, I don't know about your Twitter feed, but my Twitter feed and my RSS feeds and pretty much everywhere I go to read any sort of news, except news.com, of course. We, we talked about that in a previous episode. It didn't, it didn't leak into there, but everywhere else has been this, you know, the FBI versus Apple battle oh, of like encryption. Yes. Have you been reading about that? I've been seeing it a lot and mostly avoiding it. I have read a couple of articles here and there. It's kind of hard to keep up with because it's one of those things where everybody is like releasing these big long thought pieces on it and I guess we're no different. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the difference is we haven't thought about it as long. So some of these people, I reckon they pontificate for like days and, you know, do their research and they contact people and they get official. We don't, we don't need to do any of that. Right. We yeah. Can just, uh, we we'll can just, just hammer it out in 20 minutes. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Wait. Oh, no. oh, oh, now, the, now the podcast is over. <sighs> Someone on Twitter, by the way, said that we were giving them anxiety because they never quite know like when it's going to end. <laughs> well, it didn't end then. We're going to keep going. <laughs> oh. So anyway, there's the... At the very high level, for anyone that you know is living under a rock or does not read tech news, the Federal Bureau of Investigation in the USA wants Apple to unlock one iPhone. They're like, here's an iPhone. A terrorist had this. There's potential that there's information on here that could help us catch other terrorists. Um, we can't get into it because it has a passcode lock, but we want you to create a custom version of iOS that turns off the 10 sort of failed attempts and phone is wiped and also the... The delay between retries. So we want to be able to retry, you know, all 10,000 possible passcodes because they go from, you know, zero to 9,999. Yep. I think that's right. So, yeah, they just want to brute force their way in and then get access to the data. And so at that sort of level, it seems really simple. They're just like, hey, Apple, we want you to break into this one iPhone, please. But it's sort of, it's spiraled from there. So you've got on apple.com, you know, Tim Cook, he wrote a letter on there like, you know, this, this is why we're not going to comply. This, you know, we feel this is a slippery slope and this is where it could go. And and from there, there's just been, a like you say, like a million different thought pieces and pontifications and other things. Like that. And I was wondering, first of all, like what's what's your take on it? Uh, it's hard to get – I mean, I think it's hard to get a take on this because everybody uh, – the, the story has never really felt like it's – complete in my mind if that makes any sense there's so many different things coming up that may or may not be necessarily true because i had heard as an example that it's um it's in relation to a, an actual shooting tragedy as opposed to like a terrorism attack which you know why don't you just take care of the guns and that would kind of solve Ooh. the problem but but that could be an even bigger landmine that, than that's, uh, uh, Apple versus yeah, the FBI. Yeah. But I mean, kind of going beyond that, then I've heard also like, isn't there like a bunch more phones that the FBI has been like, oh, actually, while you're at it, can we get these ones unlocked too? Yeah. It is weird because in the, in the very early days, you saw a lot of, a lot of what usually happens is the people with the first takes um, often get things wrong. So 
I was reading stuff about, you know, devices after the 5C are uncrackable and there'd be no way for Apple to do this. But, of course, it came out later that there is a way. If they're going to go to the trouble of creating a custom um, version of iOS, of course they can remove a whole bunch of, you know, restrictions that don't exist in hardware so they can, you know, do, make the passcode retries faster. They can take the thing out in iOS that wipes your phone after a certain amount and they can also, you know, via the lightning port or something similar, um, let passcodes come in that way so they don't have to come in over the touchscreen. So right. it's definitely possible. Like I, I remember reading the early days, you know, the secure enclave enables blah, blah, but it doesn't. Like if at the end of the day, if Apple really, 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 really wants to get to the data on your phone, they can if they have, you know, physical access to your phone. Yeah, but that's, I think that's in the wording there because what you're talking about, right? Like the idea of installing uh, like a new version of the OS and essentially brute forcing your way in is not really cracking the encryption. It's just, well, it's brute forcing it. It's, it's a whole different kind of ball game because what they're actually asking for is essentially a way to enter a, a gazillion like different, you know, pins, uh, or, or passcodes or, or whatever in order to be able to access the data because it's the pinning combination with the, uh, the device's UID which kind of combine to make a key to be able to unlock the encrypted data. They're not breaking the encryption. They're just trying to find the key. It's like, well, it's it's like going to a, a locksmith and basically in trying to force them to give you the mold for the key, I guess. Yeah, kind of like that. And they've, they've put restrictions around. They said, hey, if you want to build it just for this particular model of iPhone, we, we respect that. Even if you want to take it to your campus and install it there, you know, we, we respect that as well. You don't want this thing to leak. And I guess it's funny because you see – People on the the internet take these two positions. Like you've got the extreme um, kind of tech view that you know privacy comes before all else, and encryption does as well. And then no company should ever have to hand over any data whatsoever, you know, to organisations like the FBI that they can't just get by themselves. You've got the kind of more pragmatic view, which is what kind of where Apple is. They're saying, you know, we've handed over the iCloud data. We've we've sort of helped you, you know, do as much as we can, but we're not going to create a custom version of iOS to do this because. If we create that for you, then every single agency we deal with, including, you know, potentially other countries is going to be asking for that as well. And then on the other extreme, you have, you know, people that are like America, proud America, you know, needs to defend against terrorism. How dare Apple stand in the way of loyal men and women who serve us who are trying to get to the bottom of this? Like, why are you putting up roadblocks? You know, that's, that's very un-American. It's, it's kind of that whole spectrum of, of reactions. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily, it's, it's hard to kind of, decide where things really are with the whole with the whole kind of topic I think or at least it is for me because there's kind of validity in all of those viewpoints in some measure not necessarily like completely like if if you take it from the extreme like uh well you know privacy should become come before everything else stance well that kind of holds true right like i i mean i don't want you getting in my phone and seeing all my private messages i, I don't i don't want people accessing that stuff but at the same time i mean these are just terrorists right like these are just bad guys so you know, it should be fine to give it to bad guys and i think this is kind of where the whole kind of aspect of the the like and why it's become such a big topic kind of comes into play because I don't necessarily know that there is such a thing as well it is just bad guys because once you create that custom OS or that you know that that key it's created like it's made and maybe Apple tries to put it on you know keep it kind of within their campus and nobody ever has it but things have le- leaked from Apple before <laughs> 
<laughs> not to mention things from yeah iCloud and stuff <laughs> like they've doubled true. down on security and everything but it doesn't like it doesn't mean that stuff doesn't leak stuff doesn't get out all it takes is for somebody to accidentally email the wrong person and it like like that's just kind of how it, it gets played out like you know something happens accidentally uh, you know i mean god forbid that you know somebody actually releases it online because for you know nefarious purposes uh, which is also per- perfectly feasible uh, it, it's the sort of thing where once something is made it's very hard to kind of keep a lid on it if people want access to it they will find a way life yeah. finds a way <laughs> life does find a way see this is this is where the topic gets really interesting because when you think about it, Apple already has something like that. They don't have the custom version of iOS, but they do have the private key that they sign OS releases with. So what happens on an iPhone is when you put it into recovery mode, yep. it won't accept any version of any OS that's not signed with Apple's private key. Right. So, you know, if I'm a bad guy or a good guy, it doesn't really matter. I plug in your phone. I'm like, oh, I've created my own custom version. Like, who needs Apple? The, the phone won't install it. It's just like, nah. Wasn't, wasn't signed with the right private key. So essentially they already have something like that, that if it were to leak or someone were to steal it, and especially if they didn't know about it, you know, let's say some agency steals the key, then they could create their own version of, you know, whatever they wanted, some low-level OS that, you know, unlocks stuff and accesses, accesses the data. They'd be able to do that. So it's interesting to hear that argument because that does sort of already exist. I know it's not as weaponized as, you know, sitting some engineers down for like three, four, five weeks, whatever it takes to create a custom version of, of iOS, but it is kind of the first steps there. Like if you could steal Apple's private key somehow, then, you know, you have a way onto the phone. There is the barrier of to entry there, though, of course, because writing your own custom version of iOS kind of relies on you knowing at least some of, you know, the bits and pieces to do with the hardware. Like it's a, I mean, I couldn't sit down and write, like write a custom version of iOS, regardless of whether or not I had the key. <laughs> like I, I like to think that I'm a smart guy, but I, it, it wouldn't happen. And I don't think don't think that's true for many, many people, but if the software exists, like if there is a custom version of iOS, that's a much easier process to once you have it, you just it, theoretically install it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even if they did put some restrictions to, in to say, hey, this should only run um, on this phone, we know that there are plenty of people out there who might not be able to write an entire version of iOS or something similar that you know accesses the disk and other stuff, but they're more than capable of just removing that check to be like, okay, yeah. we, can, we can pull that out. I mean, people do that with software all the time. You get... Um, you know, cracked versions of games and exactly and pro software where they just you know physically go into the file and you know remove all the bits where it's doing license checking. And I think it's reasonable to say that it's not even just the difficulty level, just the sheer man hours that would have to go into building a custom version of iOS or a custom you know bit of software to go onto the phone to, in order to make you know to be able to access the data. Like that would would require a whole lot of time. Whereas cracking a like cracking the software is theoretically a much less you know much smaller amount of time it happens i mean 90 percent of the designers that you know that are around today probably used a cracked version of photoshop at some point (laughs) in their life yeah almost guaranteed that there was a time when you know you're either a uni student or you're just in between contracts or whatever like ah i need to use photoshop and then you go look up the price it's like okay one thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars hmm like i could either you know feed myself for the next three months 
Or I could buy this version of Photoshop and roll the dice. <laughs> and the thing is, right, like, I don't think anybody's going to weaponize a version of, uh, of Photoshop. <laughs> I mean, it might happen, but it's the sort of thing where there's much more of a reason for people to actually, you know, try and access this, you know, custom version of iOS that gets created in order to, you know, to do nefarious things. Because, I mean, you know, it, it would then unlock all the secrets, I, I guess. All yeah, the all you'd really need to do is basically steal someone's phone somehow and that yeah yeah if if you've got like a reasonable amount of resources like stealing someone's phone is probably not that hard i mean someone could have stolen my phone while we're doing this podcast i wouldn't even know like it'd probably take me hours to realize that it's gone and even then i wouldn't assume that some ninja had snuck into my house i'd assume that i've dropped it in some crevice somewhere or it's in my car or it's at the office like it would take you a while to realize that so i can see like how attractive that is but okay i have an interesting hypothetical for you right okay you and i are both supreme court justices yep and now the only time i've ever seen the supreme court is in a tv show called boston legal which i'm pretty sure is 100 percent accurate this is exactly how the supreme court is there's a bit of ooh yeah or oh yeah or something at the the start of the proceedings okay and then you know they hear the testimonies and then they they have to decide, you know, who's in the right here. Like, should we compel Apple to do this or should we compel the FBI and be like, hey, you know, there's other ways? Like, what? You're you're not a tech person. You're not jelly. You're a Supreme Court justice. Like, what What do you think you'd do in this case? Well, first, first of all, the first thing that I would do, the very first thing that I would do is I would bang the gavel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a given. And I'd be like, <laughs> order in the court. Order in the court. <laughs> this is a closed session. And if you disturb it, I'll have you, what is it, removed? Yep. Yeah, we've all seen the same movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a really hard decision to make because, I mean, these people are supposedly, suppo- like they're supposed to be thinking about the, you know, the greater good, the great, you know, the good of America, but also at the same time. So, what, I mean, what does that necessarily cover? It could be argued that the greater good of America is to, you know, solve this uh, terrorism problem and maybe this is like maybe getting access to people's devices through this means is, you know, the way to do that. Uh, On the other hand, I mean, the greater good for America would could potentially be to have much better security because, I mean, aren't, aren't they in a better position to be able to get past it? currently even without apple's help than any other government in the world yeah that's that's kind of been rumored and there's kind of been proof that you know there there are ways maybe not if you're the fbi but maybe if you're someone like the nsa to to get around these restrictions so maybe you can't brute force the password but maybe there's like a hundred other things that you could do to get at this data i think the interesting thing here for me is if i was a supreme court justice and before this had all gone you know crazy public i have a feeling i probably would have sided with the fbi and just gone hey you know what they're asking for is reasonable they just want you to unlock this one phone in this one instance you know i'm granting permission for them to do that i'm compelling you to do that you know that's that's what you're going to do and i do wonder if that's why apple took it public like if they thought that they would be able to win this pretty convincingly just privately through the court system I don't reckon Tim Cook would have written that letter on the website and I don't reckon they would have tried to take it, uh, I guess to put a popular term on it, like to the court of you know public opinion. It feels like they went there, I wouldn't say out of desperation, but they went there as knowing that if they didn't, then they'd probably end up losing this case. Well, also, you've got to think about Apple's kind of stance on this whole, this whole kind of concept, right? I mean, a- Apple, even more so maybe than any other tech company that uh, that exists today, 
is very, very, very focused on privacy and very, very focused on like this concept of your data is yours and nobody else should be able to access it. It's been kind of their part of their stance for publicly the last few years, really. Like that's been the real kind of big, big area with yeah. That's the drum that they've been beating at all the press conferences and all the the yeah, events that they've yeah. been having. I mean, I, I I dare say that it's it kind of goes back a lot far, lot farther than that, but definitely, definitely uh, more so in the last few years. If the FBI can crack Apple, <laughs> then wants to say that every other company that like that they haven't already kind of been in this kind of situation with. Once you've cracked the hard one, it's a lot easier to get the other ones to fall in line. Yeah, that, that's true. A lot of people are saying, you know, this could be a precedent. If we can get Apple to do this, then hey, we can get Google to do this. We can get Microsoft to do this. Like, if if it's okay for Apple to do, then you know, it's okay for for you to do as well. And I do wonder. See, the two things I'm wondering in this case is. What does going public like do for Apple, like positive and negative? Because on the one side, you can kind of see that, you know, they've been pushing security and this gives them a way to say, hey, like we are serious about um, security. Yep. But there's also the potential risk of, of a backlash. Like if, if this case, you know, does become more heated and if it becomes a bit of a political football and if people start to frame it as Apple are trying to prevent, you know, us from figuring out this terrorist case or finding potential like other future terrorist cases, then I guess there is a risk. I don't know how large it is, but there's definitely a risk that, yeah. you know, potentially there could be a backlash against Apple. I think there is definitely the potential for like for backlash there. And I think there is a risk that is involved. Like I've certainly heard people or, or at least heard of people, you know, complaining that, that this has all been like a, a marketing thing for Apple. And I don't necessarily think that's true because there is there is definitely risk involved with the whole the, the way that it's being framed as like uh, like with the the word terrorist plastered across it makes it kind of i guess it makes it that much more important in people's in especially the american public's eyes if that makes sense because i mean you think about how terrorism kind of is is such a big thing in america um more so probably than most other countries i mean we all have like i mean even australia has uh, you know terrorist concerns and all that sort of stuff but it's much more of a thing in america and so this is the perfect kind of way for them to kind of frame this in a light that potentially could cause apple backlash and therefore apple would be more likely to go along with it i guess so in that kind of thinking, I don't necessarily think that it's a marketing thing from Apple. I, I don't think it really is a smart idea for it to be a marketing thing. On the other hand, I think it's just Tim Cook kind of you know putting his foot down and saying, "Hey, look, we actually care about your privacy. We care about privacy so much that we're uh, you know willing to stand up to the government in this potentially kind of not great situation." in order to make sure that nobody can get your stuff ever. Yeah, no, I, I kind of see it that way as well because when I, when I first heard this news, I think it was about maybe a week or two ago when it first kind of the very first details of it came out. Yeah. My first reaction was, yeah, this sounds like a marketing stunt. You know, they yep. put a thing on their website, they're going to be like, privacy, we're the best at privacy. But the longer the story's played out, the more obvious it's been that no, like it, it seems like someone, probably Tim Cook, you know, felt so strongly about this issue that he's like, no, we've got to draw a line in the sand here. We've got to... Just pull out all the stops, basically, to stop this from happening. Yeah. And it does seem like that it wasn't sort of run by the marketing department. It seems like it's run by, you know, that, that core group of people at Apple, probably, you know, Tim Cook at the head. Oh, I definitely, it definitely kind of reads that way, I think. 
it, it reads not dissimilar to the to some of the stuff that we've seen from Tim Cook before that has come straight from him. You're thinking about when he wrote the did he write an op-ed for somebody about basically you know how he'd always kept his private life sort of private, and then he he came out and said no, like you know no, I'm gay basically, and this is uh, this is why I've never spoken about it, and this is why I'm speaking about it now. You know, as the CEO of Apple. Yeah, I mean, there's there's those one there's that sort of stuff like that sort of stuff kind of as a general rule. Like, it, I think it comes directly from Tim, and I think this is something that Apple has been, in your words from before, beating their drum about in the last few years, kind of ever since Tim Cook kind of uh, took center stage at Apple. And I think this is something that's really important to, to him as a person. So it feels like this whole this whole situation is the sort of a thing where Tim Cook's just like, nah, I'm just, no, just no, <laughs> no. And I, I completely, I, I think, you know, having kind of grasped at least a few of the various different aspects of this case, I don't think I'll ever really kind of get my head completely around it. But I mean, I'd like to think that I would do the same as as Tim if I was in the you know the same situation because I think it is important. I think that you know privacy is important regardless of the fact that I mean, sure, there are bad guys out there that use iPhones. That's you know that's probably a given. They're a fairly popular phone, but I don't necessarily think that everybody's you know phones should be. Uh, at risk just because of this, you know, these these handful of bad people. Yeah, I think I'm the same. You'd, you'd like to think that if you put a passcode on something or if you've encrypted something that this is now for your eyes only and that's yeah. for better or worse. Like should some situation arise, let's say I'm flying over the ocean and my plane crashes into the water and suddenly people need access to my passcodes like for legitimate reasons, you know, to even for things that would be like I would consider to be good, like it's a choice you've made. It's like, no, we've chosen encryption and I – I kind of feel that the benefits of that, you know, outweigh the negatives. And there are some negatives. Like there could be legitimate reasons that, you know, people want my data. Or if you want to get extreme, like, you know, someone hurt someone in my family and we go to court and we're trying to prove that, hey, this person did this and we can't get access to their phone because it's encrypted, that's a negative for me. Like if we could have convicted someone and I could have seen like, you know, justice done or whatever, that would have been better. But I think if you – it's weird. If you take the sort of zoom out a lot view – what do they call that? The, the big picture view of, of the whole thing. I think overall you want strong encryption rather than strong encryption plus backdoors because if there are backdoors and it's it's just not strong encryption, like those two things just don't go together. No, exactly. And the the fact that a backdoor exists means it's just another point at which it, it has has weakness. It's essentially a hole through which somebody can get into your stuff. And uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I leave my house, I don't like leave a gaping hole in the side that covered up with a tarp, maybe. <laughs> yeah, be like you, you lock your front door securely, close all your windows, yep. and then put on you the alarm. Them, put on the alarm, yep. and but leave the back window open and don't yep. put a sensor like in that spot. You're yep. like, well, most of it is locked, and as long as no one goes around the back, they they won't realize that you know I've got the secret area where you can just wander <laughs> straight into my house and just unplug the alarm. You're like, I'm done. Yeah. And I, th- this is this is the situation that we kind of are dealing with here and I think that I mean I personally I I stand I stand with Tim. I stand we need a hashtag for that. Hashtag stand with Tim. I mean, you always need two <laughs> hashtags if you want like a viral okay. campaign. So I yeah, reckon okay. yep. you put in your message, you've got to leave about 20 characters for the hashtag. So blah 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 encryption blah blah and then you go hashtag I stand with Tim hashtag boom. <laughs> 